Welcome to Season 2 of Between Two Blue Devils. I'm Mark Horner, your host, and this is a podcast featuring teachers, administrators, alumni, and community members of the beautiful city of Talmadge, Ohio. This podcast is about stories, their stories, the stories of people who love kids, love their city, and love the pursuit of education. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're at it, feel free to share the podcast with a friend, tweet it out, post it on Facebook, snap it out, be sure to leave a review. And now without further ado, I bring you season two. Kick back, grab a cup of coffee from Crimson Cup, and enjoy getting to know some of the amazing people who love Talmadge and love our kids. Mr. Verona, welcome to Between Two Blue Devils. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm super excited about this. Uh, I have had deep admiration for you as a teacher for many years, especially, you know, during those days when you had my kids in class and uh, then hearing all of the great things that you're doing now in our building and hearing the kids talk about your class uh, and just seeing you on a day-to-day basis made me even more excited to have you here. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. So I'm just going to begin with a, a very simple question. Okay. Who is Mr. Verona? Well, I'm, a, I'm finishing my 19, 19th year for full-time here at Thomas City Schools. I uh, sub three years before that. I have three kids at home. The oldest is going into seventh grade next year. My middle child's going into sixth, and my youngest child's going into fourth. And um, time flies when you have kids. Okay. Seems like <laughs> seems like yesterday they were little babies. <laughs> yeah, trust me, that's been what's been heavy on my mind the past two weeks. You know, oh, because I bet. Yeah, it seems like the other day I just dropped my daughter off at kindergarten and. A couple of days ago, she graduated. I am now the father of a graduated daughter. That's crazy. I remember. I remember when she was born. Yeah. I remember you taking time off for when she was born. Well, and it's funny because when you said nineteenth year, um, I was trying to trace back how long you have been here because I knew I was at. I was still at the middle school. Yeah. And so that goes way back. Nineteen years is a long time. It is. I try not to think about it, but it's it's been pretty. A pretty long time. But so it's been a good time. Yeah. So you said you subbed for three years before that. Where did you yeah. sub? Um, All well, over. I, I subbed in Kent. I subbed in Stowe. I subbed in Street, nah, Street Sport, Rootstown, uh, Field, Southeast, and Talmadge. Okay. So what made you settle in on Talmadge? I really like the community of Talmadge. Talmadge was a tight-knit community. They, I liked the kids here. The kids were very respectful, very kind, very nice kids. The families were very supportive. And I didn't see that in any other districts that I subbed in. Quite a few, <clears throat> excuse allergy voices, not puberty. I've already reached that, but uh, <laughs> the allergies are killing my throat here. So you, when you, would you say that your subbing kind of catapulted you into an opportunity at Talmadge? And the reason I ask is uh, quite a few of our listeners are aspiring teachers and they're kind of at that, that pivotal po- part of their their life where they're not sure if they should kind of give up looking for a job yeah. or should they continue to sub because sometimes it's pretty competitive but how did your substitution experience how did that how did that aid in you getting a job well um initially it just got me known around the school like i had 
gotten a reputation of being a good sub, doing what I was supposed to do, keeping control, keeping good notes. That's, I think that's important for a sub is communication with a teacher that's absent because they need to know what's going on and it's very difficult when they're not sure what happened the day before. Mm -hmm. So keeping detailed notes, talking about what has happened is very key. But the biggest thing I think was if you have the opportunity to take a long-term subbing assignment, okay, take those. That's what really got me um, in the door was I could show I, I could actually teach. Mm -hmm. Subbing and teaching sometimes are different. You got to show that you're able to teach. Mm -hmm. And I think I had four long-term assignments okay, during my stay at Talmadge, and that started getting my reputation around. It showed my principal that I could teach, and it made it a lot easier as far as confidence to go into the classroom. Yeah. I, I controlled the classroom before, and it wasn't like student teaching where I had someone helping me along the way. I was on my own, and I went through IEP meetings, and I became experienced that way. Yeah, that's pretty neat. So that's exactly what happened with me as well. Graduated, then I took a long-term, I became a permanent sub, which turned into a long-term placement in a classroom, and then it catapulted me into the yeah. my own classroom. If you really want to feel old, my last long-term assignment was I subbed for Jenny Purdue when she was on maternity leave for Amelia. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that kind of puts things in, in chronological perspective there. Yeah, it does. And now Amelia is at Kent State playing volleyball right. for, uh, <laughs> for Kent State. That that's awesome. Well, I'll be sure to tag Mrs. Purdue in here and and bring up that fond memory and reminds us of how quickly time does go by. It so does. what what made you want to become a teacher? Well, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do coming out of high school. And so there was a period of time where I actually didn't go into college right out of high school because I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do and I just didn't want to waste a lot of money uh, going on a path I wasn't sure of yet. So I was kind of in limbo at the time. I was doing part-time jobs. And my friend who I ran cross-country track with saw like I wasn't really doing much at the time. So I said, why don't you come and um, help out with the track team in the middle school at Kent? So I said, okay. And so I started volunteering. I wasn't getting paid for it, but I showed up every day and I worked with sprinters. And I really enjoyed working with the kids. I felt like I was connecting to them. I enjoyed seeing them prosper and improve. And I thought maybe this is something I could do. And so that started getting my, getting my courage up to possibly teach and saying this this is something this is a path I could go on Wow so where did you go to college at a University of Akron uh, oh fellow zip I like I think it. we were there probably near the same time yeah, probably although I was there longer than you <laughs> I took the extended plan but uh, that's awesome and so you you said you volunteered for free at Kent as a coach yeah I actually I volunteered like three three or four years for free. Wow. And then like they finally, they gave me um, a position where it was a paid position. So that was nice. Helped me pay for my college. Wow, yeah, for real. I, I just love those types of stories where people, you know, they're, they're willing to make tremendous sacrifice to pursue, pursue something that they love. Mm -hmm. Even if it means they're not gonna get paid for it, they know that payment comes in many other different forms. Experience, relationships, you know, you're, you're making connections and then it's leading to, to bigger and better things. Uh, so that, that's quite a story. Now, you went to school, high school, locally? In Kent, yeah. Okay, so you're a rough rider then. Oh, I am a rough rider, yeah. 
So if there was any other... It's Kent Roosevelt, by the way. It's not Theodore Roosevelt. It's Kent Roosevelt. <laughs> well, now listen, I'm a big Teddy fan here, so I think it should be Kent Theodore Roosevelt. That would be proper. I okay, think. that's what we called him when I was at school, was Kent <laughs> Roosevelt. Uh, but that's, that's pretty cool. What's your favorite experience that you look or a favorite thing that happened while you were at Kent as a student? As a student... Um, I was really influenced by my seventh grade science teacher. Yeah. He was someone who joked with the kids, he had a good time with the kids, and everyone liked him. And so that was a really good experience for me. He, um, I remember one of the projects he gave me was I was supposed to go around the city and find different trees and I had to take a leaf off of all the different trees and put them in a book. And then I had to turn it in like later. But um, the funny thing was, was I didn't do it till the last second because I was procrastinating. And my friend had it done for weeks, and so he was just kind of laughing at me like, you're never going to get done on time. So he turned it in, and I got a better grade than he did. He was so <laughs> mad. <laughs> you were one of those students, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and most of the time I was ticking away. I wasn't too motivated. <laughs> yeah. Well, you sound like a, a typical uh, high school student, like yep. middle school. It, yeah, so... That was in seventh grade, you said? That was in seventh grade. So when you thought about becoming a teacher and as you sit down and you kind of reflect on the influence that you have as a teacher, do you oftentimes think of that seventh grade science teacher? I do, yeah. I mean, he showed me how important it was to have humor with the class mm -hmm. and to um, connect with students. And so I've taken that in my own teaching. I realize how important it is to say jokes every now and then, to connect with students and to know them personally. Plus, he was one of the only teachers that knew me by my first name. All the other teachers did not because I was so quiet that um, that made an impression on me that it's really important to call people by name and to talk to them as individuals. That's awesome. What a, what a great legacy he, uh, he left in your life. Is he still teaching at Kent? No, he's retired for quite a while, I think, now. Okay, very good. So think about high school, your high school experience. Mm -hmm. Who was Mark Verona? In high school oh well in high school I was very quiet I was someone who didn't I didn't say too much I expect well middle school I really didn't say too much kids would pay me 50 cents just to hear what my voice sounded like <laughs> they'd walk up to me and like hey I'll give you 50 cents if you say something so I would say something and they would give me 50 cents <laughs> and I'd use that money to go buy candy and stuff of that nature but I didn't talk a whole bunch and in high school I had like a close group of friends I would talk to and if you weren't in that close, close group of friends, unless you asked me a question, I probably wouldn't talk to you very much. And it wasn't that I was stuck up or that I didn't want to talk. It was just, I was just very shy. Mm -hmm. I was a shy person. And um, that's how I kind of rolled in high school. I got into cross-country and track in high school, and that was my main passion, my main focus. It should have been more in school, but I was a young guy at the time, and that's why I was really into at the time was cross country track and spent a lot of time practicing and getting ready for the different seasons. I joke around and I said there was three seasons in high school, cross country, track, and waiting for the <laughs> next season to start. Well, you were a diehard. I was a diehard. So in, in track, during track season, what were the events that you ran? I ran um, the 4x800, the 1600, the 3200, and the 800, although not in the same meet. Right. I was a distance runner. Wow. I did the 4x400 four a few times, but I just was not fast enough to do that race. So you're one of those long, you just yeah. love the long distance, the endurance thing. 
the longer the better as far as running. Wow. So it, that's funny. So it's hard to imagine that you'd be part because around here, the cross country and distance runners, they're kind of their own little cult. Almost, yeah. you know, they they're the, the people who are out running when it's five degrees outside and there's snow on the ground and half the guys have their shirts off and they're running. You know, they're yeah. just they're all very different. And that was you in high school, huh? That was me, yeah. You were part of that group. I was a part of that group. It's It becomes a family because we had like 14 guys in the team, and you get real close with the guys. And That's one of the things that Coach Huth does such a great job of with our distance runners. They're exactly that. They're, they're a family. Yeah, he does a great job with the distance runners here. So take a moment to kind of brag about yourself when you were in high school. What were some of your best times that you uh... – I wouldn't say brag. I mean, I don't think it's <laughs> – I mean – I wasn't good enough to brag about, but I ran some okay times, I guess. Um, I, my, I think the time I'm most proud of was 16 minutes and 33 seconds in cross country. Wow. So I'm probably most proud of that time, but it wasn't, I wasn't good enough to brag about. <laughs> but uh, I ran a 438 mile. A 438? Uh, yeah. Wow. So. That's pretty good. <laughs> Well, pretty it's not good. as good as I would have wanted it to be, but <laughs> that's that's pretty impressive. Well, that's the one thing I love about cross country, you know, the track and field. You know, not only are you racing against somebody else, but you're always racing against your PR. Yeah. Right? And you're just trying to attack that PR, and it's quite an accomplishment when you're able to do so. And so that's uh, that's fine. Now I ran track as well. I didn't run cross country. I ran track. Ran the 400, the 300 hurdles. I have no clue what any of my times were. I can't remember. 400's a tough race. Yeah. Well, they were back-to-back -back at the time. Yeah, they and were, so, weren't they? And so I was, my, my primary race was the 300 hurdles, but my coach would make me run the 400, run, run those back-to-back -back just to kind of extra conditioning and to, uh, to build up even more endurance. Uh, so it was always funny finishing one race and jogging to the, directly to the starting line for the next race. That had to be a tough double right there. It was, it was fun, but it was a long time ago. I can't, I have to go back and ask my, some of my coaches, see if they can dig way back into the, the, the archives and come up with some times. But, so you, uh, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you have three kids. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your wife and your kids? Well, Megan is my oldest child. She's going to the seventh grade. She's, uh, She's a redhead, which makes people kind of go like, How, where'd you get the red, head, red hair from? Well, my mom has red hair, and if I let my facial hair grow before I'd be turned silver, my <laughs> facial hair was red. But now it's got a little bit of white to it. But. That's the same with me. That's so funny. That's, I can't grow a full beard, but when I do, when I would let it grow out, it would be red. But now all of a sudden, it's the same thing, man. Right. And I just read this morning in Proverbs chapter 20-something that... Young men glory in their strength, but old men glory in their gray hair. That's true. It right? shows wisdom. It shows wisdom. That's right. So we'll, let's let them grow out. We'll grow our gray beards out. Right. But Megan is a lot like I am, soft-spoken, kind of shy. Okay. That's Megan. And she's thinking about going into cross-country and track, so she's okay. following in her old man's footsteps, I guess. And Very good. If she wants to do that, it's great. If she wants to do something else, that's fine, too. Just want her to do something. Yeah. But she's also plays the flute, which I'm pretty proud of because I never played instruments at all. So I have no musical ability. So I'm kind of happy my kids are going that direction. Nice. My son, Benjamin, he's, um, he was a big kid when he was born. 
He was born 12 pounds, 2 ounces. Oh, my goodness. So he's a big guy. And um, he's still a solid kid. And, but he has no interest in sports because when, when he was born, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to be a football player. <laughs> 12 pounds, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, where did he come up with this size? Because at best, I was average, I'm average sized. But he's still a tall, strong kid. Okay. And, um, but he's very artistic. He is, he can take a picture of something and he is so detailed and I think it's so cool to see the art he produces. But, and he's, he's played the trumpet too and he loves the trumpet. And um, he's a very bright kid. Uh, he might be a lawyer when he grows up. Oh, wow. Because when I, I try to put down the law with him, he goes into <laughs> details. So what do you mean by I shouldn't do anything stupid? <laughs> what does stupid mean according to you? I'm like, you know what I mean, stop it. <laughs> so yeah, he, um, he does those type of things. That's so he's gonna be a lawyer. lawyer. All right. And then you have a fourth grader as well. Yeah, right? her name's Violet. Violet? Violet. Violet is my confident child. She is someone who's, um, she's got a lot of confidence. She's headstrong. She doesn't let anyone push her around. Leads to some conflicts at home. Okay. But um, yeah, she's, she's pretty confident. Like uh, we had this one day where I was talking to her and she goes, dad, I want you to know this. I'm like, well, what would you like me to know? My class says I'm the best looking. I'm the most intelligent and I'm the best athlete. I'm like, I bet your classmates didn't say you're the most humble. <laughs> she looked at me and she goes, they would if they knew what that word meant. I was like, I don't think they would. We need to work on this humble thing a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So, yeah, she's my confident one, and she loves sports. Okay. She's into gymnastics, which she hasn't been able to do it lately because of COVID, mm -hmm. but she's looking forward to getting back into that. Now, now, where do your kids go to school at? Streetsboro. Streetsboro. Okay, mm -hmm. you're out in the borough. Yeah, we are. All right, very good. So um, when you reflect back on your, your three kids and, uh, you know, you've told us some funny stories, what's, what's, what's difficult about being a dad? What, what, what are some things that you struggled with? I struggle with trying to get encourage the kids to do their chores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen. They, I mean, because they know if they don't do it and they sway long enough that I'm going to get upset and do it for them. Yeah. So that's been always a struggle is trying to get them to want to help out right and so yeah that's that's been a struggle and sometimes getting them to get along at certain times has been difficult especially my youngest is very headstrong she likes it her way and she's not afraid to butt heads with the other two and that's led to some interesting situations but they're getting better I think we're working on it yeah, it's it's funny because you no matter what age they are, and apparently I had the same issue as well because the other night we had a uh, the family over after the senior parade on a Friday night, and we were all just kind of telling stories. And apparently I struggled when I was in high school to do my chores as well. I find that hard to believe. No. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I would procrastinate, and my parents would get angry and frustrated. And, you know, and it's the same thing in our house, and and I'll I'll do the same thing. And you come to that, that choice where, do I actually bring them down here, get angry, try to teach a lesson, or do I just do it to get it done? And the number of times where I'm like, okay, I just don't have time for conflict. I'm just gonna do what I ask. Right. But then it builds up, right? It does. And then you get to that point where then, there you go. Yeah. You kind of explode. And yeah, and you just get a little bit more upset than you wanna be. And then you're like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have been so upset. But then again, they had to learn. Yeah. So it's, it's, 
a double-edged sword. Do you ever have those moments while you're parenting or even while you're in the classroom where you say something or you do something and then you stop and you're like, oh my goodness, I sound like my mom or I sound like my dad? Yeah, I have those moments. Yeah, definitely. My parents were pretty strict with me when I was growing up, so sometimes I hear things they said. Yeah. Like, um, my, like if I ask my kids to clean up something, they're like, I will. I'm like, I know you will. Because my dad would say that to me. <laughs> That's right. And then you just kind of low-key right? flex on them right there. Right. Yeah, I yeah, know you, you will. I know you're going to. And then you stop and you're like, oh, man, I swore I would never, ever say that to my kids. And here I am saying it to my kids. Yeah. I mean, I do that. But at the same time, I have great respect for my dad. My dad did a good job raising yeah. me. So. Yeah, that's not an insult to our parents no, when we think those things. I mean, they, they do, and uh, they do influence every aspect of our life. But it's just yeah. funny. I remember being a teenager, and I would be disciplined, and maybe some of our students who are listening will think the same thing. Well, you know, mom or dad or, you know, grandma or guardian or whomever it is they're living with, they kind of go off. And then in the back of their mind, like, I will never, ever do this or say this to my kids. Right. And then you fast forward 20 years, and you're like, oh. I swore I would never do that or say that, and here I am doing that and saying that. Right. I think uh, my most memorable punishment growing up was when I was in seventh grade, I never tied my shoes. So my dad told me, you don't start tying your shoes, I'm going to ground you from your shoes. I'm like, <laughs> okay, Dad, whatever. It was summertime. So the one day he saw me without my shoes tied, so he's like, give me your shoes. And he took my shoes and he put them in the trunk of the car and went to work. <laughs> so I didn't have shoes. So, and then my, like my friends called like, wanna come over? Like, I can't come over. They're like, why? Like, cause I don't have shoes. So it was kind of a silly punishment, but it worked. It I worked. Started, I started tying my shoes. That's cause I didn't want them to take my shoes again. Well, a lot of our listeners are like, well, why one night? Why wouldn't you just put another pair of shoes on? But you know. I only had one pair at the time. I know, same. When we were growing up, you didn't have multiple shoes. You just had one pair of shoes. Right. That's too funny. I remember, you know, when I was, when I would be in trouble at home, you know, usually, mom was home with us all the time and she would take care of the, the discipline but then if that wasn't effective she would say those yep. those dreaded words wait until your dad comes oh, home oh yeah and then i'd sit in my room sometimes it would be like an hour later sometimes it would be four hours later depending on what time of the day i got in trouble and you just sat in there like scared to death yeah and then dad would come in leather belt snapping <laughs> it a little bit looking at you going son I want you to know this hurts me way more than it hurts you. <laughs> like, bet? Bet? <laughs> yeah. My mom took care of the little discipline problems, but my dad was a heavy artillery. So if we were really in trouble, <laughs> dad came in. Mom took care of the little stuff, though. Mr. Verona, what is your favorite part about being a teacher? My favorite part is getting to know the students. I really enjoy getting to know the students. It's fun to be with the students. Yeah, it is. And um, there's other parts of the job that I'm not so fond of, but being with the students, seeing them in class, getting to know them, seeing them mature and become adults is very rewarding. So that's my favorite part. And has it been a little surreal for you being here at the high school, seeing, you know, now that you are able to see students that you've had in the past and you not, now either they're bigger and 
they're they're old they're older and yeah uh, that is surreal and sometimes I don't recognize some of the students because they change so much mm -hmm. I know them as a 13 year old and so my brain they're always gonna be 13 years yep. old and then when you see them as 18 year olds which they're adults now you're like you, you look like a man now you're not the 13 year old boy I remembered you <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I have to have them kind of remind me who they are. And if they tell me their name, I know who they are. Right. But sometimes I just don't recognize them because they change so much. They get more muscular. They get facial hair. They change their hair. They dye their hair. They wear makeup. Okay, whatever. It's sometimes you don't recognize them right off the bat. And then you throw in the mask. Yes, and, and then you <laughs> throw in the masks. And then they don't – then they um, then you really don't recognize them. But that's okay since uh, the beginning of the school year I didn't have hair. and. They didn't re recognize me because they're used to having me with hair yeah. and I had a mask on and they weren't used to seeing me at the high school. So I had quite a few students not recognize me. Mm -hmm. I said hello to them and they're like, who's that? <laughs> so it's, it's all good. In the classroom as, as a history teacher, you know, history is, it, in my opinion, it's the best subject to teach, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, there's so much that you can do. What's your favorite activity to do while you're in the classroom? I really enjoyed being Max Miss Verona at the time at when I was in seventh grade. That was fun. The, I, it was fun because the kids really enjoyed it. They had fun with it. They um, really bought into it, and that's probably the most fun I've had teaching is being that character. And it took off. I mean, I didn't expect it to take off. I was like, I'm going to try something stupid. I'm going to put on this toga. I'm going to pretend like I'm someone different. The kids are going to think I'm weird, but we're going to try it out. And it worked. Uh, when I coached track a couple years ago, I saw high school kids, and the kids were like, how's Maximus doing? <laughs> and I'm like, you do realize he's not real, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, Well, yeah, I, I just know I, when my kids had you and then talking to some of your other former students, um, I just know that when they would come into the classroom and if they called you Mr. Verona, you would just flat out ignore them. Yeah. You would insist that they called you for that week uh, right. You Maximus. He, they had to call me Maximus. They had to kneel when they addressed me. <laughs> and they weren't allowed smiling near me. <laughs> if they smiled near me, then I would get mad at them. <laughs> That's so but funny. It was hard to not smile for an entire week because I'm someone who smiles quite a bit. Yeah. So to play that character was difficult because I smile a lot. And that character is not supposed to smile. But there was a couple times when I broke character and I had to hide my face real fast. That's and so they, funny. Because the kids did something that made me laugh. That's awesome. Well, those are those are things that students will remember forever. Yeah. Right? I mean, as soon as I mention your name, that's the unit that comes up. If they had you in seventh grade history, right. and if they didn't have you, that's what made them wish that they had you because yeah. they wanted to be in Maximus's presence for right. sure. Right. What gave you that idea? Well, that was um, a few years developing. It took about four years before I really started to really get into it. I was a sixth grade teacher when I first started <clears throat> thinking about something because I took this workshop and they said the most difficult thing for a teacher to do is to get the kids invested. And so you got to find ways to get invested. And this was a science workshop and this science teacher was saying that he uses magic to get the kids mm -hmm. invested in science. And so I was thinking, well, okay, well, I've got to try to find ways to get invested. So I was like, we're this one activity we did where they're making boats and I put weights in the boats and we see how long the boats could stay afloat. So I was thinking, well, what if I dress like a pirate when I did this? So I'm like, okay, I'll try it. So I dressed like a pirate. I wasn't acting like a character or anything. I just had a pirate costume on. And 
all the teachers looked at me like, what's wrong with him today? <laughs> but I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore because people think I'm weird. So then the next year I got, I went into seventh grade and I was teaching social studies full time. And Lindsay Rodebaugh would do this um, project called uh, the Manor Project where they had to make castles. And she says, oh, I pretend like I'm a queen. So you should pretend like you're king too. So I'm like, okay. So I, put, I wore a crown, and sometimes I'd act like a king, sometimes I wouldn't. It was just kind of half in, half out. Next year, I got a little bit more into it, and then we decided, you know what, maybe if we made a Roman city because it was closer to our standards. So I go, okay, I can't be a king anymore, so I should be a Roman emperor. And so I start playing around with the idea, like, what if I just was someone different? What if I just was this Roman emperor for a while? So I go, okay, well, let's try it. So the one class comes in and I played the character and I didn't break the character and the kids left. I'm like, okay, that was weird. They didn't like that. And the next, and so I took off the costume. Next class come in and goes, we heard we're doing something fun today. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> we heard you were a Roman emperor. I'm like, oh, you wanna do that? They're like, yeah, like, okay. So I went out in the hall, put the costume on, came back in, we played again. And at the time there was no backstory, like he was, just mean for the sake of being mean. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because like these kids, I was being kind of direct and rough with the kids, but the kids liked it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, I wouldn't think that they would like me being kind of tough with them, but they, they ate it up. Yeah. And um, so I, was, I continued playing the character. And later on in the week, this girl comes up to me and I was wearing my normal clothes because when I was in my normal clothes, I was Mr. Verona again. She comes up to me, she goes, is Maximus around? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know. So I looked down the hallway like I was looking. And she goes, okay, don't tell him I told you this. I'm like, okay. She goes, he's mean. I hate him. I don't like him. But don't tell him I told you that. I'm like, okay. I was like, okay, this is something the kids are really investing in. So I probably should continue doing this. That's so cool. Well, I think when you, when you do that, when you make yourself vulnerable and you put yourself right. out there, Kids appreciate that. Yeah. And, uh, and then, it, no matter what age the kid is, they're still a little kid. Yes. You know, and when they're able to imagine and, and see a teacher use creativity and, and just do things that are not normal, those are the things that make the lessons and the experiences sticky. Yeah, you do have to be vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, you have to take chances. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But you got to take the chance. and. You got to be a little bit personal with yourself just to show the kids you're human and that you're someone that can be trusted. Like I'm opening myself up to you to some extent, so it's safe for you to be you around me too. Well, I've always admired that part of your classroom and the effect that it had on your students. And then just listening to you talk about it now and seeing the passion in your eyes for that project, it's inspiring me to to be a little bit more vulnerable in some of the things that I, I do in the classroom as well. That's, that's pretty neat. So you went sixth grade science? I was sixth grade science and social studies. Okay. And then I was, seventh... I was hired on as a sixth grade, just a sixth grade science teacher. Right. But um, year three, they added social studies because I was on a two person team with Sherry Ray. And so I taught science and social studies. She taught language arts and math, which she got the short end of that stick. <laughs> but, but yeah, that was my team. My, um, my third year teaching. And so we taught together five years okay. as a team. And now you're eighth grade American history. Eighth grade American history and language arts. Oh, and language arts yes. as well. Okay. Yes. 
Very good. So uh, at, before we kind of wrap this up, I want to ask you a couple quick questions about you as a person. What are your favorite hobbies now? Are you still an avid runner or? I would if I could, but um, my Achilles just doesn't like it anymore. Yeah. You know, I've gained a little bit of weights after having kids. And my Achilles just like, you know what, maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore. So yeah. I've tried to find other uh, ways to exercise. Yeah, so. take to the trail, walking, or there's always the elliptical, yeah. which is my yeah. go-to. That's where I'm going to right now is the elliptical. It's yeah. the closest thing to running. Yeah. I try to exercise bike, but I can't find a sweet spot where I'm not because I'll either go too fast or not fast enough. Mm -hmm. And so I can never find a sweet spot, but elliptical is closest to running. So what are your favorite hobbies when you are off on summer vacation or you're out you have a free evening what are some things that you like to do i'm a movie buff are you i love movies yeah so what's your favorite genre of movies i like um i like movies about uh, psychological thrillers crime movies historical movies i like almost any type of movie but those are probably my favorite genres okay like we talked about earlier this year but one of my favorites is shawshank Oh yeah. oh yeah, we did talk about that. My, yeah. Mine as well. So that's the one. That's the one movie that if it's on, I can stop and watch it. Yep. Over and over and over again. There's, I can't get. I can't get tired of that movie. That and The Godfather. I love The Godfather too. Yeah. And so if that's on, I'm gonna watch The Godfather too. Yeah, you gotta stop at those ones. Have you been to Mansfield to visit the Mansfield Penitentiary? Yeah, this past summer I went to Mansfield. All right, that's awesome. What did you think? It was um, it was it was very cool. Um, it was creepy though. I was I went through in the middle of the day and I still got the feelings that yeah. maybe I wasn't alone and <laughs> I like oh maybe I shouldn't be here and but it was fun. It was pretty cool because they have a lot of stuff about the Shawshank in there mm -hmm. and a lot of history things and some paranormal stuff they talk about. Yeah. So it was really really cool to go to. Uh, ashamedly, you know, we don't live that far from there and yet and being the Shawshank fan that I am, I've not been there. And uh, I think I'm going to make it a point to get down there this summer just to check it out and, uh, and experience that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. What are your uh, favorite books? Do you, uh, do you read books? I mean, I'm kind of streaky when, it does, when, I, when I read, but yeah, I do read. Is there a book that you would highly recommend? What would be maybe like a, a must-have book for our listeners? I think if you have not read it, especially if you're going into education, A Child Called It. Mm. Have you read that one? Um, I'm not sure if I read it or saw the movie. Yeah, it's um, it's a book that makes you really change actually, the way you look at people. I did read it. I yeah. did read it. I, I remember actually. I read it when. Uh, how long ago did that book come out? I don't remember when it came out. It's been over ten years. Yeah, I actually I did read it, and because there's a series, isn't there? Yeah. Okay. You wrote a series of books. I read the second one. I haven't gone past that. Yeah, I had a student who was reading it in class. It's all starting to come back now. And yeah. actually, she recommended that I read it, and I read it, and it really is. It's powerful. It is very powerful. I mean, it just cha it's changed the way I looked at the students in my class. Because yeah. I don't know what's going on when they leave. Mm -hmm. And so to be more sympathetic and, and empathetic towards the kids. It's one of the things we talk about in, in my psychology class a lot is that there's always a reason behind a behavior. Yeah. Right? And right. whether... You know, you're working at your, your place of employment and a customer is nasty to you or if, you know, mm -hmm. there's uh, something happening at home with, you know, with a sibling or one of your friends is just kind of reacting a certain way. There's always something going on behind the scenes that you're not aware of. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. That book certainly 
remind you of that, uh, to, to be self-conscious about other people's... What their experiences yeah. are, what they're going through. Yeah, for real. Uh, what a great book. What kind of music do you like to listen to? Um, I think I listen to almost anything. I try to, I try to expand my horizons, but um, I think I mostly stick to the 80s, 90s stuff. Especially like um, the '90s rock with Nirvana, Foo Fighters. Oh yeah, the those grunge bands. era. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a lot into that, and I really like the Black Keys. Yeah, lately. Yeah, the Black Keys are awesome, and you know it's, yeah. it's cool to see a band from Akron. Uh, from Akron, and every once in a while you can catch them. Yeah. Uh, you know, around town. Right. Floating around, you got to throw in Pearl Jam into that mix as well. Pearl Jam, yeah. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Ah, the Pumpkins. Yep. Nice kindred, kindred, kindred uh, spirits soldier, here, yes. right? Uh, what is your go-to song? I mean, there's got to be a Verona song that when you're you're just not feeling it, and you're like, oh my gosh, here comes my my second block kids, and I'm just not feeling it, so I'm going to close my door, I'm going to crank up the tunes. What gets your engines revving, Mr. Verona? Well, I have to play a song that kind of gets my confidence up and uh, gets me a little bit more arrogant, I guess. So I like this one song came out a few years ago called I'm the Man. <laughs> <laughs> So I just kind of say that to myself, like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Class is tough, but I can do this. Yeah, open up the cupboard. There's the yeah. mirror, and you're like, I'm the man. I'm you're the looking man. At it, I can kinda... do it. What's that called? Self-affirmation? Self-affirmation. Yeah. Right? <laughs> what was that SNL parody? Um, Stuart Small. Stuart Small. Yeah. And doggone it, people like, like me. me. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. Right. That's, that's cool. So um, what's your favorite food? I like uh, Italian food. Okay. Yeah. Especially, I mean... Pizza. I can eat pizza every day of the week. What's your favorite pizza? If you had to order a pizza, where would it be from? I like Gina Nino's. I think that's a good place. That's my favorite pizza. You just made all of the Talmadge listeners very happy. I'm wondering if they can throw a couple of free pizzas my way since I gave them a little advertisement. There you go. <laughs> yeah, they could be a podcast sponsor. That's true. They could be. Giannino's and Crimson Cup so sponsor we just, the podcast. I'd be a happy man. We should just keep on saying it and then they'll hear it and then they'll... <laughs> Give us free pizza. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know what? Can you take over marketing for me? I'll work on that for you. <laughs> so, that's, uh, that's awesome. Uh, last, last couple questions. Uh, when you look back throughout your life, think about, you know, you mentioned your seventh grade teacher, but is there somebody who you kind of regard as a mentor, somebody that you really look up to, and what is it about that person that stands out to you? Well, my father. Father. My father taught me how to be a man. He was, um, he was a quiet person. Okay, but when he spoke, he meant business. Mm -hmm. So that taught me that, like, be pick your fights. Okay, don't just charge in any fight. If you're gonna get in, if you're going to take a stand on something, make sure it's worth standing for. Because the more times you um, stand for something, okay, the it starts to wear thin. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you really believe in what you're standing before before you make that stand. It's one of the things about you that that I deeply admire. I see that in you. Um, I love your introspection, and I love how you don't speak often, but when you do, there's meaning and purpose behind it. Right. And uh, and I really I really like that. I I, I admire that quality in you. I'm one who has a tendency to speak too often. Right. <laughs> too much. I'm working on that. As right. the grays pop, I try to get a little wiser. I think my there. students think I probably don't stop talking because. That's what I do when they're in a room. Yeah. But like when they're not there, I'm pretty quiet yeah. for the most part. Um, another person was Winnie Sitko. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was my mentor when I first was hired. She was my mentor as well. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's awesome. And I remember she kind of really influenced my um, philosophy of teaching because I was having, I was beating my head against the wall and like going, oh, I just can't do this. And so I went and talked to her and she looked at me and was like, what's your problem? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm trying this and they're not responding. She goes, you got the best job in the world. Your job is to come and play with kids. And they pay us to play with kids. And I was like, huh. And so that really made me think. That's so funny. I can fun. see her saying that. I can see her looking at you, kind of getting right. in your face, and you know. And I remember the same thing happening to me. The two, the two from the middle school that really. Well, there were a couple. There, there were, but there are three people that really influenced me. I student taught for Dick Fox, mm -hmm. and I don't know. Did you know, Mr. Fox? Yeah, um, Mr. Fox was there like just as I was starting to sub. All right, and so he was the best person in the world to student teach for. Mm -hmm. And then Mrs. Sitko was my mentor teacher, and I had many of those experiences, and then Barb Scott. Oh, yeah. Really, uh, you know, those three, during those formative years of my, you know, early childhood as a teacher, yes. they helped me build a foundation. Yeah. And the, the common denominator amongst all three of them, and this is what I see so much in you, is this it's about relationships yes you can't be an effective teacher if you don't take time to build relationships that is true so and and I see that every day in your life and, uh, and I certainly see their impact in my life thank you for spending some well I ask you one more question is there sure. something else about mr. Verona that nobody else knows you have an open mic here what do you want your former students your future students uh, because we're pushing this out. We are, uh, you should see the ages of the people listening are, are getting younger on yeah. this podcast. Some okay. of them might be future students. What do you want them to know about Mr. Verona? Well, I would want them to know that when you're around me, I want you to be you because you're, that's who you are. And I want to know who you are yeah. and I value people who are authentic and who they are. And I tell kids this all the time. You can try to be someone else to get people like you. But ultimately, you the real you come out and they're going to like you for who you are or not. So stop beating around the bush, be you, because you are cool. And I tell kids this too is, embrace your weirdness because that's what makes you cool. Yeah. I, I can't imagine how wonderful it is for a seventh grader to be in your classroom and have a teacher tell them, just be you, be authentic, be weird, yeah. Just be you. I didn't have that when I was in seventh grade. Um, and that's such a, a key moment in our life. You know, seventh and eighth grade, you're just all over the place. Yes, you are. And to have a teacher like you in a position of leadership and influence, look at each kid and say, hey, I love you for who you are mm -hmm. and stay the same. You're a blessing. You're here on purpose for a purpose. Right. It's, uh, it is, it's just awesome to hear and awesome to see. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being a guest. Uh, oh, this is long overdue. I've been, I'm excited to have you on here. I'm excited to push this out because I want people to hear about how incredible you are uh, as a father, as, as a man, as a teacher, uh, as a person of influence in this building. So thank you for joining us this All morning. Right, thank you. I hope you enjoyed our interview today. Be sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are listening on. And also feel free to follow me on Instagram at, at Mr. Horner the Teacher or on Twitter 
at THS Mr. Underscore Horner for podcast updates, blog updates, and more information about our guests. If you liked what you heard, I would appreciate if you give us a review and share the episode. Help me get the message out about how incredible our community is and how awesome our teachers are. If you haven't, make sure you go back and listen to past interviews. There are a lot of amazing people that we've had the privilege of interviewing. Until next time, go Blue Devils.